Please do turn with me tonight to Luke's Gospel and to chapter 2, to the reading that we read earlier. My title tonight is The Cross in the Crib. The cuteness of a manger is broken suddenly by this verse, Luke 2 and verse 35. Yea, a sword shall pierce through thy own soul also. Well, there's many astonishing verses that we can choose in the incarnation narrative. I'm spoilt for choice in these days. But this verse strikes a chord. We see here in the crib, when we're thinking of the little birth, the birth of the little Lord Jesus, asleep on the hay and all the other sentiments that we sing about. Yea, a sword, a sword shall pierce through. These are words of prophecy. I think it's the first announcement after the birth of the Lord Jesus of the imminency, the certainty, and the clarity of the cross that lay ahead for this little child. Well, we think of this tonight. Simeon, Simeon, dear Simeon, this man of faith, deep, deep faith, we shall consider the biography of Simeon, but then we shall come to our text and these words of prophecy that Simeon said to Mary principally, he doesn't say them to Joseph, maybe there's a lesson there that he knew that Joseph wouldn't be there at the end of the Lord Jesus' life. But he speaks in verse 34 and 35 specifically to the mother of the Lord Jesus. He's speaking to Mary. He's preparing her and also us for the death of the Lord Jesus. No sooner has Christ been born than everything points forward to the cross and to the death of the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, we take up the narrative here in verse 25, and it tells us about Simeon. Simeon, who looked forward to the coming of Christ. Of course, Christ has now come the first time. But I ask you the question tonight. Are you looking forward to the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ? Are you ready? Are you prepared? For his second coming, no man knows the hour, the time. But the Lord is certainly coming again, just as he was certainly coming this first time. Verse 25, Behold, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. And here is his biography in two words. What would be said of your life tonight? This past week I've had the joy of listening to the memorial service of not one but two American pastors who were called home to be with their Saviour just in the early weeks of December. These two men, one of them who's been to this chapel a number of times and we got to know him, and another man perhaps better known who had 
a letter sent to him by no less than the former president of the United States, but that's not really relevant. The relevant thing is this. Both men, people after people, came up to speak about both these men in two separate memorial services, and their biography was characterized by the same thing. Their interest in people. Yes, they were pastors, they were preachers, but it struck my heart that both of them were as or more interested in people. They made themselves available. They didn't allow doctrine always to cut people off. They made it their business to draw alongside and to build relationships with people. What a lovely thing to be said about somebody who pastored both of them for nearly 50 years. But this is what it says of Simeon. He's still alive when this was said, but to us this is his legacy. These are the two words that describe him. He was just and devout. What does that mean? He desired to live all his life with an awareness and a consciousness of being in the presence of God. That's quite searching. Living all your life aware that God sees me, God knows me, and that you want him to see you and to know you, and that you are in his presence. That could have been said of both those men, but it's said of Simeon here, the same man. Simeon, he was living all his days thinking about the coming of Christ and in the knowledge that everything that he said and did was before the eyes of God. That's an expanded version of those two words. He was just. He had an eye to God. He was devout, he was dedicated, devoted to his heavenly Father. It goes on to say that he was waiting for the consolation of Israel. He was waiting for Christ. His whole life was in the knowledge of the promises that spoke of Christ, and he had his eyes. Is he coming? Is he coming tonight? Is he coming soon? Nation wars against nation, Simeon would have thought. We're under the tyranny of the Romans. Is he coming? He was waiting patiently. Notice what it says at the end of verse 25 and 26 and 27. The Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit. Firstly, in verse 25, the Holy Ghost was upon him. This man was a believer in Christ. He had a deep, a genuine faith, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. I asked this question this morning. Does the Holy Spirit live within you? Do you know his presence in your life? Simeon did. Simeon spoke 
with the help of the Holy Spirit. He lived in the knowledge of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit was upon him as he waited patiently for the coming of Christ. Verse 26, it was revealed unto him. That's what the Holy Spirit does. It leads us. It guides us into all truth. And that's what it did. The Holy Spirit to Simeon. It revealed to him that he wouldn't die before he had seen Christ. He believed in Christ. He had faith in the coming Christ. But he wouldn't die before his faith was exchanged for sight. Faith for sight. What a wonderful promise for him. He would see Christ, the Christ child. What a privilege for Simeon, who had waited so patiently. Verse 27, he came again by the Spirit into the temple. He was driven everywhere he went. He was guided by the Spirit. Will it be today? And the Spirit said to him, get to the temple. There, I will lead you and guide you. Now we can imagine that the temple would have been thronged with many people. How would he know which child? Oh, we don't need to question. The Spirit led him. The Spirit guided him to see the very little child. As Mary and Joseph brought him in, he was to be circumcised. On the eighth day, they followed the custom of the law. And there his eyes light on Christ. Have your eyes turned to Christ? Do you desire to see him tonight? You may believe the promises, but you desire to see Christ as Simeon did. He could not die in his heart. There was a burning desire. He needed to see Christ. And so the Spirit leads him to this child. And the parents, they gladly lift their arms up and allow him to take this little child into his arms. They must have known this was the Lord's will. Then took he up in his arms, and he blessed God. He was so thankful that he had seen with his own very eyes the Christ, the one that he looked for, the one that he already had faith in. But now he sees him and holds him and touches him. Do you remember that woman that desired to touch but the hem of his garment. And Simeon has the same desire. He desires to take him, to touch him. And there the Lord blesses him. Now I can die. I'm ready to meet my maker. Can you say that tonight? This is Simeon's testimony. Now, Lord, if it's your will, let your servant depart in peace. He was probably a very aged man, gray hair, waiting for this very time. And now the word of God to him has been fulfilled. He'd been told that he wouldn't die until he'd seen the Christ. 
Now, verse 30, here's his testimony. My eyes have seen thy salvation. Notice it doesn't say my salvation. This is a given salvation. It has to be a salvation which is revealed, it is given, it is taught, and even the faith, as we've said often, even the faith and the repentance are given to us, and all we need to do is to exercise it. And Simeon had done that. Mine eyes have seen thy salvation given to him. This salvation has been prepared all through the years. The prophet spoke of Christ. And now all those prophecies in Simeon's mind have been fulfilled. Thou hast prepared before the face of all the people. It wasn't done in a dark corner, not in some distant place, but before the face of all people. Isn't it wonderful? The gospel is for all. It's to be revealed to all. It's to be preached to all. But only his sheep will hear. Only the Lord's people will come. Only the Lord's people will turn. Verse 32, a light to lighten the Gentiles, the glory of thy people Israel. That's just an introduction. Let's go to our text. Joseph and Mary, they marvel. They're astonished. I don't know exactly what about, but do you think they were thinking, why me? Why me? The Lord should appear to me. Why me, thought Mary, my body should carry the Son of God. Why me, Joseph, just a poor carpenter, and I will be the surrogate father of this special child? Do you know that's a good question to ask, isn't it? Why me? In all the world, why should the Lord appear to me? Why should I be given the faith to believe? Why should the Lord speak directly to my soul? Why should he appear for me? Joseph and Mary, they wonder, they ponder, they marvel at all those things which were spoken of him, of Christ. That's what they're preoccupied by. We're preoccupied by so many things. What about me? Why don't people care for me? But this is a different question. Why me? Why should the Lord be so gracious and merciful to me? I don't deserve it, thought Mary and Joseph. Now we come to our text, verse 34. There's four phrases. They're interrelated. They're speaking forward. They're so rich. This is the gospel in these two verses, from the crib to the cross, all the signs pointing forward to what will happen in the life of the, the little child, Christ. Let's look at them 
one by one tonight. This is what Simeon says. He now becomes the messenger to Mary, not to Joseph, to Mary. Here's the first. Behold, look, this child is set for the fall and the rising again of many in Israel. This child will be the touchstone. What a person thinks of Christ will determine their eternal destiny. Whether you go to heaven or hell will be determined by what tonight you think of Christ. Behold, this child is appointed, set, for the fall and the rising again of many in Israel. Now we can look at this two ways. Some would fall and they would keep falling. They would speak of Christ in blasphemous words, a curse word. They would fall and keep falling. But then we can look at it in another way. Some would fall because they needed to be humbled. The Lord would cause them to fall because there was pride in their heart. And it was their pride that would stop them from knowing Christ. But there would be a rising once they'd been humbled. The Lord would lift them up in due time. Notice it says, of many. There will be so many, even in Israel. Some would reject him outright. Some would fall and be humbled. Brought to the dust. Brought to trust only in Jesus Christ. And many would rise. That's the first. What of you tonight? What do you think of Christ? It's such a simple question. I asked it just recently. That's the determination of where your soul will spend eternity. If you don't speak well of Christ, why should Christ speak well of you and your soul? This shall be the sign. Secondly, a sign which shall be spoken against. You see, the first one is how you speak of Christ. The second one is whether you speak against him. You see, Christ will be a divider of hearts. He will divide us into only two camps, for and against. Are you on the Lord's side? Will you serve the King? That's what this means, a sign, a signpost. If you speak well of Christ, or if you speak against him, you see Christ is the image of the Father. He is the exact representation of the Father. And what you speak of him, you speak against the Father. And if you speak bad of Christ, you blaspheme the Father. A sign. In Christ's life, he would speak many words. And many would speak against him. Just turn over to Luke 
4, just to give you one example of how Christ would divide so many hearts. Here in Luke 4, verse 28, And all they in the synagogue, when they heard these things, were filled with wrath. The Lord had just healed many lepers. He'd shown grace and mercy. The Spirit had moved him. He was anointed to heal up the brokenhearted, verse 18, fulfilling the prophesy, prophecy of Isaiah 61. And there in the synagogue, the people speak bad of him, verse 29. And they rose up and thrust him out of the city. This is a harrowing verse. And they led him unto the brow of the hill whereon their city was built, that they might cast him headlong. But verse 30, his time was not come. His power, his untouchable power, enabled him to pass through the midst of them to go his way. You see, this will be a gospel. This will be a Christ that will divide every heart into two. Where are you tonight? Do you want to close another year not speaking well of Christ? This one who points to the Father. Do you have a close relationship with him? Do you know him? Like Simeon, do you live in the sight and the eyes and the hearing of Christ? Does your heart beat for Christ? But we go on. We see back in Luke 2, we go first to the third statement, which is at the end of the verse. We come back to the brackets to close. This Christ, this child, the falling, the rising of many, the sign that will be spoken badly against, that the thoughts of many hearts might be revealed. You know, sometimes as a pastor, as a preacher, when I stand up here, I wish I could read your hearts. I wish I knew what you were thinking now, but I can't do that. I have to accept that the Lord is the one that reads hearts. And the Holy Spirit is the one that searches you tonight. And it says here, the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed. Do you know there's no neutrality? You can't sit on the fence. You are either in one camp or the other. And this Christ, this Christ child, will reveal the thoughts of many hearts. Does he do it tonight for you? You know deep down, I don't. I wish I did. You know deep down what you think of Christ, whether you love him, whether you've put your trust in him, whether he is all your hope for eternity. You know that. And the Lord knows it too. He reveals the hearts and the thoughts of many. What do you think now when I ask that question? What think ye 
of Christ. He will be a detective and the detector of many hearts as he opens them up. He did it to Lydia, didn't he? She had an open heart. He read her heart. He saw her need, her felt need, and he came into her heart. Would you not have an open heart tonight? Would your thoughts not be for him? Nothing is hidden from him. You can hide from me all your life, but you can't hide from Christ. He will reveal your thoughts. But finally tonight, let's go back to the bit in brackets. This is very penetrating. Yea, a sword, yes, a sword. This is looking forward. Here's the cross. It has to be mentioned. Simeon can't go on speaking to Mary without preparing her mercifully, tenderly, the mother of the Lord Jesus. I think the way you can read this verse is like this. A sword shall pierce through thy own soul also. It will pierce through Christ's heart. It will pierce through many hearts. But even Mary's heart will be pierced through. I think this is a reference to John 19.25 when the mother of the Lord Jesus is looking on and she sees her own son. I'm sure these words of Simeon would have come ringing back to her. A sword shall pierce through thine own soul, Mary, also. And even there, Christ would comfort her and he would make preparation for her and provision. And his dear disciple John would be the one appointed. But we see here the cross in the crib. You can't understand the crib and all the, the straw and the hay and the animals and all the other stuff until you see the cross. You see it's the sword that needs to pierce our hearts tonight to then reveal where we are. Will the sword pierce your heart also tonight? Will you think of the cross and think about how this little child offered himself up to take the sins of his people? He will be a divider of hearts. He will be a touchstone of truth. He will be a sign spoken against. He will be a revealer of thoughts. And there in the crib is the announcement of suffering that he must undergo. And Mary, watching on, even though comforted, must bear just a little part, but nothing compared to the sword that should pierce his own soul for you, for me. If you would come to him tonight, what a solemn message that there is there. Amidst the crib, there is the cross. Oh, we're thankful for this. The gospel doesn't mince its words. The birth and the cross, hand in hand, 
so that salvation is secure. If Christ came only, but didn't suffer and die for my sin, I would have no saviour. But Simeon can say, Mine eyes have seen thy salvation. Would you see him tonight in your mind's eye by faith? And then your faith will be changed.